Good evening. It's Tuesday the 30th of May, almost the end of the fifth month of 2017. It's amazing how quickly this one's going. And I'm doing a post-yoga cast tonight. Um, yoga's really enjoyable at the moment. Um, I'm trying to go every week and we're learning these poses that are quite progressive and they are really relaxing and then quite challenging. It's not you know, completely, completely easy. So yeah, I've just got back from that and I've had a look at my notes of what's been going on in the past week. And um, during the past week, I tuned into the radio. I was having one of those days where I was just sort of, I didn't want to listen to what I had on in the car and I didn't want to listen to talk talking radio. And so I put on PBS and I stumbled across PBS in the middle of their Radiothon fundraising drive and the track that was playing when I first tuned in was Valoria by the Pixies from uh oh that album I know one with the planet on it I've got it on vinyl anyway I can't remember the name of the album anyway Valoria has always been a great song my Valoria my Valoria even I adore you. So it's a fucking great song. And I was thinking, oh, awesome. So happy, really happy to hear that. And then after that, he plays E-pop Lust for Life. I'm like, oh, all right, excellent. And then he plays Dramarama's Anything, Anything. And then when I thought it couldn't get any better, he plays one of my favourite Billy Bragg songs of all time. He played Waiting for the Great Leap Forward. And there's that lovely bit where he says something like, uh, if, you, if, you don't, if you feel misunderstood, start your own revolution and cut out the middleman waiting for the great leap forward. So at the end of that break of songs, I had to um, call up and subscribe. So it's actually the first time that I've subscribed to PBS. I've been a long time Triple R subscriber and back in, I'm from a radio background and um, you, you subscribe if you love it, you subscribe it to keep it alive and you subscribe because you'd rather it was there than it wasn't. And my car's been doing something odd with Triple R lately. It, it sort of it thinks I'm, I want to be listening to Gold FM. Gold FM must have a stronger signal and sometimes it switches itself. <laughs> In the minute I'll be listening to some lovely indie track and then all of a sudden I'm listening to something really weird and sort of like mainstream and middle of the roadie and I go what the and look up and it says gold 104.3 and I think ah righto just flick it back it's a very odd thing for it to do but um listening to that Billy Bragg song and also supporting community radio made me think of um the poem that that was um delivered right after the Manchester bombing this is the place and if you haven't heard it I think it's a really amazing piece of poetry and it also also reminds you of what's amazing about Manchester as a city and all of the great things that Manchester's given the Western world. And I used to think, you know, living out in South Australia, particularly South Australia of Australia, we're more British than the Brits and and people that I knew were really, really passionate about their British pop music and you've got a lot of a lot of that that was coming out of Manchester. So when I heard that poem, the poem for Manchester, it really um 
it really struck a chord and I think it's an amazing artwork and amazing response to, um, yeah, fucking act. And I really think it's worth reading a bit further into why it, exactly it was an Ariana Grande concert that was, that was targeted because Ariana Grande, as well as being a young pop songstress, she's also a very out feminist. She's really confident about expressing herself. She expects you to treat her as an equal and, um, she's empowering and sexually confident is what it said in this article that I read. And, and ISIS as a group are very, very keen to, um, uh, dominate and subjugate women as a gender. I mean, it's, that's not reading too much into it, I don't think. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really worth looking at the whys and hows and, exactly what the message is and I really I was so impressed by the message in response choose love Manchester you know you and and I wondered about this quite a bit like I talk about things as being progressive and things as moving forward and you know I want things to move forward I'm a progressive person but is that um obviously there's a whole whole chunk of the world you know categorically that doesn't agree and, and it's tempting to think that that the progressive worldview takes hold as education levels get higher but also as compassion levels get higher so it's not just about being richer and better educated you've got to also be more enlightened and compassionate and broad-minded to be progressive and you know there are some people who just don't see that as as something to strive for I suppose there's not really a lot you can do about that. I feel like, you know, the world is heading towards a progressive state, but it seems the resistance to it is almost as strong. And sometimes I think, well, maybe that's natural too. Maybe maybe it is three steps forward, two steps back, and that's how that's how progression happens. Maybe that's how evolution and all of it, maybe that's how change really happens. So waxing a little bit lyrical but um the poem for Manchester did make me think quite a bit about some of the artworks that have really um comforted me in times of distress and one of my favorite artworks I've never seen it for real but um I've seen pictures of it on the internet and it's a Miranda July artwork I think it must be called Don't Give Up because it's just Miranda July holding up her hand and on her hand in texture it's written Don't Give Up I used to have that on my phone as my wallpaper. And I love Miranda July. I really love what she gives to the world through her art. And speaking of art, um, a friend of of mine who does beautiful watercolours, she's actually a printmaker by trade, but she started um, trying turning her hand to um, native Australian flora watercolour renditions and and I, I managed to buy one. Normally I'm too slow and by the time I look at Instagram again, I'm not a great Instagrammer. I'm not really very regular with it. Uh, it's like sold. So um, I finally managed to get one and it arrived the other day and I'm going to take it down to the framers that I use. I'm really, um, have, have had a good experience with so far and get it framed and that would be very exciting. Um, I did get Stan to work on my, one of my tellies. Apparently I need to get Chromecast to make it talk to the other telly, but, um, in my little simple telly that I've got, uh, it works works perfectly well. <laughs> like, um, and so I've been able to watch the first of the new season of Twin Peaks, and um, I 
before I talk about Twin Peaks, I just also want to mention that uh, I did, I've been catching up on the middle season of Black Mirror and there was a, because I saw the first, some of the first episodes a, a while ago and then I got Netflix and I started watching from season three. But season two had sort of fallen in that gap and I watched an episode that was the first episode in season two about the, the lady whose partner gets killed and she finds out that she's pregnant and Gee, that Black Mirror show's confronting. It's, I mean, I remember, I remember that huge sense of relief that I got watching San Junipero. That it was, but all of their, all of the Black Mirror episodes are so interesting, and they're cathartic. Sometimes it's not a pleasant catharsis, but it sort of like lets out these feelings um, that you might have about technology or the possibility of where things might go, and it asks some really interesting questions. And, you know, if only it wasn't so adult, I'd suggest that all young people watch it, but I, you can't do that because it's it's obviously quite a um, quite mature-themed show. But maybe, maybe parents should be watching it and thinking about how some of these ideas might, might be affecting, I don't know, their kids' lives or whatever. I'm tapering off now. I can feel myself getting tired. I do want to talk a little bit about Twin Peaks because um, it was really amazing to sit and watch it again and to sit and see those credits not exactly the same but the music's the same the names in the credits are the same Angelo Badalamenti doing the music David Lynch Mark Frost Dwayne somebody is the editor and um you know the characters come back on screen you go oh my god and I, I realized with joy that I'm going to get to meet Andy and Lucy's son at some point and I'm just thinking what will David Lynch have concocted for Andy and Lucy to have produced um and Hawk Hawk's back and <laughs> Agent Cooper's looking very odd and there was a really I think my favorite bit the bit that stayed with me is the couple in the building in New York um waiting watching the glass box and and immediately I recognised the young girl. It's Madeline Zima. And Madeline Zima, I saw in a film called, I'm pretty sure it's her and not Grace Zima. So Grace Zima and Madeline Zima, I think might be twins, but one of them was in The Nanny. I think that's Grace Zima. And then Madeline Zima, they were like six years old at the time. And the other one, and I'm pretty sure it's Madeline Zima, she was in The Long Kiss Goodnight. She's the little girl um, that Gina Davis has in Long Kiss Goodnight. And um, it's so funny to see her face as an adult. It's displacing and, yeah, eerie, which I'm sure is the perfect effect for David Lynch to produce by casting her in that part. But, um, yeah, it, and it sort of reminds me of how frustrating and sort of lucid Twin Peaks was in the beginning. And I understand that there's been something of a, you know, critical, not necessarily critical, but maybe like there's a whole bunch of people watching this show going, what the fuck? <laughs> but like you could watch the first Twin Peaks was always like that. And there's sort of part of me that goes, yeah, well, maybe you're not really the kind of person who will enjoy this. Maybe this is too arty for you or you don't have to watch Twin Peaks. You don't have to like Twin Peaks. Like if you happen to have watched Twin Peaks or you want to watch it, fine. But you can't complain about what it is once you've started because it's not going to change for you. It's not going to change for anyone. It's David Lynch, and David Lynch makes David Lynch's stuff. Um, I am still watching... Uh, oh, I've just got a little note in my notebook that says, The Price of Gas, um, because 
I am, I am watching the price of my gas bill go up and there's all this stuff going on, you know, about the, the gas prices and the domestic market and the liquefied gas being shipped off to Japan and blah, 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 blah. And I just remember thinking that gas was always sold to the Australian market as the cheaper option, the economic option. And I remember this ad that was on the telly when I was a kid and it was this couple walking around an empty land block site. They were planning their house and they're walking around with this actor who you recognise, like I, I can't think of his name just now, but he's one of those Australian actors that you know. And he's saying, well, I'd recommend gas for your hot water heating and for your hot water heating and cooking and save your electricity for your something, something and other small appliances. And, you, you know, because the lady's been walking around going, I want the whole kitchen's going to be white, even the taps. And then at the end, she, he says, you'll even be able to afford a set of those fancy taps. And I was thinking, that's not so that's not so true these days. Nothing, it, it appears, can stop money just hemorrhaging out of your wallet. And it's just, it's very frustrating. It's like you can't win. You're in a rental, you can't install solar or fix the, you know, make the house. And I just, I do think that there needs to be more minimum standards attached to rental properties because I look I was looking at a rental property the other day just out of interest online and it looked like a shithole it looked like something you really wouldn't want to live in it looked cold and drafty and broken down and you just know that someone's sitting on a massive capital gain and leasing it out in the meantime because they may as well and it just makes me mad it makes me really angry that people are allowed to do that to something as fundamental as the idea of a home. So I did have that little note to talk about that, those fancy taps. And last, I'm going to say, I, I haven't, I've been still reading The Hot Guy, still making progress through The Hot Guy. I haven't really read much of anything else this past week. Um, but I did watch another episode of Riverdale and I think my Riverdale experience has become how on earth did I end up with a crush on Jughead? How on earth has this happened? And But yeah, well done. They have really um, produced a really interesting series out of something that is not at all like its original, even though it's such a great reference. I actually had to go and buy an Archie comic on eBay and I was reading through it going, yeah, this is what Archie was like. I'm, like. I'm not I'm not crazy. Archie was this before it was this Riverdale thing. And it's, yeah, very meta. And on that postmodern note, I'm going to sign off and say thank you very much for spending some of your time listening to me babble on about my week. And I do hope you're well. Keep warm. It's getting cold. And I will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>